0: if you have a child with type 1 diabetes, whether they were diagnosed five days ago or five years ago, you continue to have questions. These are the questions about the emotional side of living with diabetes, the questions about how to parent diabetes. I'm Joanne Robb, a psychotherapist and fellow T1D mom, and I've been parenting diabetes for almost 15 years. In this podcast, I'm here to answer your questions about the emotional and relational challenges that come with being a caregiver for a child with type 1 diabetes. Before we dive in, I have to remind you that I'm not a doctor and nothing that I offer here should be considered medical advice. If you want to make any changes to the way you or your child is managing their type 1, please be sure to check in with your doctor or medical team. Let's get started.
1: Hi, I'm Julie, and I have three kids. My oldest is eight, youngest, or then I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. Um, My youngest is four and he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at 15 months. My question is, how do you not feel bad when you're letting go and letting someone else care for your child who has type 1 diabetes? I guess specifically, we just entered preschool. I'm having to train the teachers for the first time. And I know that's the first of many um, throughout his life. Um, But just I want to advocate for my son. And actually, we've been blessed with great teachers who are on board and so willing to help. But I feel like it's so situational that I have so many instructions, but yet I feel bad sometimes sometimes. For the person, just because there's so many little things, I am very kind, but I don't want it. I guess it's a balance of wanting to be kind and clear and Mm -hmm. get the best care for my son when I'm away, but Mm -hmm. also not be, I don't know, I feel like it's a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And maybe I'm putting that on myself because they're great and willing to do whatever. And so Mm -hmm. if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. It totally makes
0: sense. And I think that it's not at all an uncommon internal process. And I think that actually it often keeps parents from advocating well or keeps them isolated, right? Because it also can come up with like playdates and stuff like that. Um, So I think it's super, super common. I love that you have such a support team that feels so supportive to you, like that the teachers are saying, no, it's fine. It's fine. That's wonderful. I have a question about a word you use, though. You said it's so situational. So what do you mean by that?
1: In the training, Mm -hmm. we try to give guidelines and or make, I guess, make rules in the sense Mm -hmm. of he's going into snack time Mm -hmm. and he could be holding at 78 or he could be, you know, shooting by 20s or he could be 300. But then the snack is oranges and graham crackers. Then. I gave him the carb counts and then they give 20 carbs and he's 78. Well, that's not going to be good because he's kind of trending down mm-hmm. and then he's going to be low and then high later. Mm-hmm. But then if he's high and they don't wait too long to give the insulin or they wait long enough to give mm-hmm. the insulin, um, but then he's high and he has oranges, then he's going to shoot all the more. Mm-hmm. So it was like at first we said, let's give insulin five minutes before snack and then go time. But then it depends if he's trending down or trending mm-hmm. up and then mm-hmm. what the snack is. Mm-hmm. So then as we're walking along, you know, it's in the, to answer your, it's so situational um, because he's so sensitive to insulin still. Right. It's okay, kind, it's kind so of the so timing sensitive. of it. You know, mm-hmm. do we wait the 10 minutes for the orange or do we give it five minutes in because it's a sandwich or that kind of thing. And
0: tell me, on this wonderful team. Is it a teacher who's doing this? Is it a teacher's assistant? Is it an administrator who's taking care of him?
1: It's the assistant. And she has 18 kids going to the bathroom while she's giving insulin. Right. <laughs> so it's a lot. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So unfortunately, there's no easy answer on this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What I'm hearing is, is two parts. So let me name the two parts, and then I'll circle around to it. One part is your internal psychic structure. The other part is this idea of the person helping getting it just right. So let, let me yeah. take the first one first, which is that you have a task, right? Along with the extra added burden of having a child with diabetes, you got additionally the task of how to manage an internal feeling of being too much, feeling bad, not wanting to burden people. And like I said, I see this with lots of T1D parents. It's you're not unique in that way. And it's a, it's sort of you being able to hold and manage that balance between wanting to advocate and feeling bad. And really, mm-hmm. I manage that by really trying to build as much relationship as I can, positive relationship with the person who's doing the managing. I was lucky enough to have one person who did years of management at school, mm-hmm. um, which is why I asked who that person is. Cause I do think if you get somebody, who's maybe even not always in the classroom. You can't do that with a child this young. Eventually, you have more continuity over the years. So Mm -hmm. you can build more relationship and that person learns more. And then you can ask for these Mm -hmm. nuanced things differently. You're in a situation where you probably have one year with this person. So I would be super kind, which sounds like you are, generous about her mistakes, which are Mm going to happen, which points a little bit to the second thing I'm going to get to. But also, I think you need to make a practice of understanding that you're not too much; that these are reasonable things to ask for, that the people you're working with are embracing being helpful and take them at face value as much as you can. So there's some practice you have to make, I think, yeah. of allowing that you know letting in that help and not feeling burdensome. How does that land, Julie?
1: No, I think that makes sense because I think we all have mom guilt to yeah. an extent, and I really try to read the people and. Maybe I think too much into it, but yeah, I hear you saying it's on me to be okay, kindly advocating mm-hmm. for my son,
0: and you always can ask the other person, like yeah, you know what's and I wouldn't say, is it okay with you because you need her to right? yeah but I might no. say <laughs> right, I might say, like, what's the best way for me to communicate about these kinds of things because it is hard if she's getting eighteen kids to the bathroom and dosing your son at the same time, like you know, when are the moments, what's the communication? How do we, how do I make it easiest on you? And I think if you're saying that, you're being so respectful of the fact that you know that it's extra for her. But yes, there's an internal job. You, you have some work to do, right? Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And it's hard and you're going to have a, you know, a decade and a half, right? Of doing this for him. And part of what also is important about that is you're modeling for him And so getting comfortable with the idea that you're showing him how he gets to ask for what his needs are as well. Sometimes I think that helps. Like, We're not just doing it for us. We know that we need to do it for our kids.
1: Because I don't want him to be timid and not say what he needs. Mm -hmm. I'm going low. I need a fruit leather or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You're right. That's That's huge. Or in high school, to
0: be able to go to his teachers and say... You know, because by late high school, you're likely not going to be involved. It depends on the family. But you want him to be able to go to his teachers and say, I'm 350 on that test. And I think it really affected my performance. I mean, obviously, you have a 504 plan. You have all the things. But there's a way that they need to learn how to advocate for themselves. And you're starting to teach him that right now. That's good. We're going to take a quick break and be back with more answers. Right now, your child's type 1 diagnosis feels like the biggest blow ever. You feel worried for their health and watchful all the time of pretty much everything: blood sugar, food, exercise. If your child was diagnosed in the last year and you want to get back to the calm and sturdy parent you were before diagnosis, the place to start is with Sweet Talks After Diagnosis Coaching Program, designed just for parents like you by me, a fellow T1D mom and experienced therapist and diabetes coach. After Diagnosis will help you find a faster path to calm. When you're doing better with diabetes, your child will do better too. To find out more, go to diabetessweettalk.courses. The second part of this is about all the nuances. And this is tricky, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know so much. She knows, frankly, so little. And I think the question becomes, What's good enough as a starting place and then fine tuning it from there, expecting that there's going to be a learning curve with her. Like I said, if you eventually can find someone who spans years, that helps a lot, but that's rare. Like, you know, a school nurse could be that at some point, something like that, but he's in preschool. There's no doubt that he, this is the right person, but I think. It's sort of like think back to when you left the hospital, what tools did you actually have? You know, and looking back, you're like, nothing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, (laughs) nothing.
0: (laughs) And recognizing that there's got to be more room for error. I'm not saying you unclip your seatbelt in any way with her. In the sense of wanting to get it right. Like I, teachers do have an obligation to help support us. And I'm, I don't want to message in any way that the teachers should be like, well, it doesn't, it's not that important because Joanne, you're saying, you know, you can, there's wiggle room there. I'm not saying that yeah. I'm saying we as parents have to be a little bit forgiving because we know so much more. And so right. we have to make it manageable for them with room to grow. Right. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is that's going to keep him safe enough. Right. That's sort of the guideline rule. And then you can talk to her about like, if I add more nuance, is that okay? You know, can I explain this to you differently? I think I would be talking to her just about the arrows, right? Right. But I think expecting that he won't be in as tight range Mm -hmm. until she gets... I mean, because it's October right now, my guess is they've been together only a short time, and it's a pretty big learning curve. So the question is how to keep him safe enough
1: Mm-hmm. but maybe
0: not as perfect as what you can manage at home right. which is hard right because you don't you know that there are ripple effects for these things
1: exactly i
0: mm-hmm. don't know how does that feel though
1: i think that's good i know i learned a lot from your course as far as good enough in the sense of it's not going to be perfect you're right that i i know all these little things and so i think it was a little overwhelming like oh my gosh how do i tell her all these little mhm pieces. Mm That's why I, I, you know, situational, Mm -hmm. Um, but giving her grace and kind of sharing. Yeah. Just, I guess a little bit, like we made a rule in the beginning and then a situation trumped that rule. So Mm -hmm. then we're just kind of, I guess, being flexible and learning new things as far as how to instruct, I guess.
0: Well, that's Mm -hmm. a job for you too, right? You have your own learning. Yeah. What I'm thinking about, Julie, is a, When I was first training teachers, I actually Mm -hmm. asked a CDE to come in with me to do a training because I felt like she'd have more authority and they believe me better. Uh One of the most interesting things is that she made it all black and white. In this situation, do this. In Mm -hmm. this situation, do this. She said the gray is too hard for the teachers. And I want to name that that was before Dexcom. Okay. So that Dexcom... Yeah. It complicates things. Yeah. It's wonderful and it complicates things. Yeah. But I think for a starting place to make whatever clear guidelines you can, Mm -hmm. if he's under 80 or under 90, I don't know, don't dose until 10 minutes into the snack, you know, there to make some kind of guidelines so that that helps, but making it as clear as possible while knowing that she will learn more. And it's hard at the beginning to, to titrate it to just right, especially because you had years
1: of doing this. Yes, And it's not black and white, but, but like, but that that is good. If we can have a few, cause she did make a note card, like we brought a whole packet and kind of went through it, but then she made a note card of like five bullet points, Mm -hmm. which I think I can take with me Mm -hmm. to train the next feature. It can be black and white in a sense it's not black and white, but here yeah. are the guidelines that I think are the start easiest with. to start with. Yeah. Yeah. And then they'll learn the situational as time goes on.
0: And I'm sure you'll find over time that different teachers and helpers have different interest levels and different capacity yes. to hold it. So it's going to be really variable.
1: Right. I, we've, I feel like we've really been blessed with this team because it's, there's an array of involvement, I guess, mm-hmm. from the teachers.
0: Yeah, you are really blessed with a team yeah. that wants... Some teachers really have no interest and some schools really are not helpful. Yeah. So I think finding people who want to is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And of course, you're worried because his numbers are more yes. out of range and you want to keep him safe.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So yeah. tell me how did this feel as an answer? Like you have more questions or...
1: I think it, it's great. I love the, the idea of slightly black and white to mm-hmm. start with. That's a good aha. And then also for personally that I need to work on being okay, kindly and confidently advocating. And then I love that you said I'm being an example to my son. Yeah. And actually he looked over today as I was giving instructions and, you know, his teacher's looking at him and, but I know he's soaking it in because I want him to be uh, independent and eventually fully managed this well. But yeah, that was that's a really good incentive for me to be confident. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> can, You know, eventually,
0: it's amazing what we can do on behalf of our children. That's hard for us to do for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. they inspire us. Yeah, they do. They grow us. <laughs> yeah, <it's> absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Julie, so much for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks, Joanne. You can count carbs
0: by just glancing at the plate, but the challenges of diabetes keep coming, especially the ones that keep you on edge. If you want to feel more in control about the choices you make around diabetes management and learn how to think more flexibly about your kids' T1D, Sweet Talk's Put Diabetes in Its Place coaching course is for you. Check it out at www.diabetessweettalk.courses. Thanks again for listening today. If you want answers to your questions about parenting a kid with type one, I'd like to invite you to join our live recording sessions so you can ask your questions in person. Not only will you get the support you need and deserve, but through the podcast, you'll be helping other T1D parents to know that they're not alone with the challenges they're facing. To join one of my live recording sessions, simply go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. Again, go to www www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register.